The pandemic isn't over just because you're tired of it. What a week. Welcome to What a Week, where we break down the week's top news stories. My name is Matt Sinovic. I'm the Executive Director of Progress Iowa. And I'm Lauren McElmeal, the Digital Director for Progress Iowa. And we are talking about COVID-19, the coronavirus pandemic, which we've been talking about for however many weeks that feels like an eternity now. Um, and the, the ag secretary at today's press conference said something about 10 weeks. And I was like, that's not, oh, that is how long we've been doing this. That's right. Yeah. And it's just, but it feels like a hundred weeks or however, I mean, I don't know how long. So, um, the news stories keep getting worse um, as this thing unfolds, especially here in Iowa. Um, Lauren, why don't you take us through the latest numbers? I pulled these numbers at about 2 p.m. today on Thursday, May 28th. The coronavirus website for the state now updates in real time. So these are different than the ones she that came out at the press conference or that were in our daily email. Uh, but so there are currently... 18,573 people who have tested positive in Iowa, and 504 Iowans have died, which is 100 more people who've lost their lives since we recorded last week on Thursday, May 21st. And as of this week, more than 100,000 people in the U.S. have lost their lives. There's a really incredible, stark image of the New York Times front page that has all of the names and like a short obituary for most of them. And it's, it is one hell of a visual. Yeah. The USA, USA today did something similar with images on their front page this week. When, when we, when they anticipated that it would happen too. Um, I think the sheer volume of some of this is, is maybe starting to catch up with people. I mean, like the fact that, you know, it took, I think I read it's not the the entire length of the Vietnam War when we had troops there um, was 19 years and 68,000, 60 some odd thousand uh, Americans died. And this has these hundred thousand deaths have happened within a matter of a few months. And so um, and we're coming we're going to be coming up on on the total of, of deaths in world war one, which is, I think it was like around 115,000 as well. So it's just, you're getting into some really scary historic territory now. I've seen some things where people have compared it to like, this is X number of people that died in uh, 9-11 X number of times over. And if you think about like the outpouring of grief that we saw in the aftermath of 9-11 compared to like this extended still grief that we're all living in. I think it's like no one is, I feel like the action isn't there. Like, but it's also like, there's not really an enemy to fight because we also shouldn't be referring to this as a war because it's not. It's true. Um, but there was no, but there has not been, I think it's just the nature of this president too, that, like he's divisive. That's his style. Like that's what he does. But there's been no even real attempt of a call for national unity. I mean, like we don't have, I mean, we're asking people to wear masks 
you know, or like, I mean, we're not really, but we, they should be. Some, some people are. Yeah. But, but I mean, after nine 11 and after those things happen, like, even though, even if you can argue that they, that you shouldn't be doing this, everyone's like, well, yeah, I guess we do need to take our shoes off at the airport. We do need to, whatever the, th- you know, the, the things that changed in our, in our, even our security checkpoints or procedures or whatever, like there were things that, that changed in uh, somewhat in day to day living. And, and there wasn't a lot, I mean, there, like there were protests when we were sending people to, to, into Iraq um, and less so when we went to Afghanistan, but like there wasn't, there was a sense of national unity after that. And I don't know why there is now other than a complete lack of leadership from the president. I mean, that's really a scary time for for this kind of disease to be happening because you need unity, you need some sense of common purpose, and we've we've lost that. Um, but one thing these numbers show is that this pandemic is not over, um, even though a lot of folks in our state would like that to be the case, especially our governor. And that's not to say that like we don't all want this to be over. It's just that I think right there are people who are saying that it is over it's very mission accomplished on the aircraft carrier like yeah to carry one, forward that metaphor. yeah to carry forward yeah. that metaphor mm-hmm. i'm betting that kim reynolds is gonna come out with a nice banner that says we did it or something or everyone's safe reopening iowa i don't know it'll probably be made by that same guy that now is like in charge of ppe projects that got like a deal from the trump administration it's pretty bad um they're going to use every way to give out, to declare victory, but also to just give handouts to all their buddies. So that's that's how this is going to play she out. She just gave, like, the Cedar Rapids Gazette, Todd Dorman just, like, did an article today about how she handed off a bunch of tax breaks to Cargill. And also it was used in, con- in conjunction with the ending of the moratorium on rent and how she's going to hand over all this money to her corporate buddies, but she won't let working people have a break from rent. I think we're going to see a big, we already had a a housing uh, crisis or terrible housing situation. I think that's just going to get worsened. And yeah, but it's, but you're right. It's clear who that, who that, who she, like who the governor prioritizes here. It's not, that's certainly not us. It's certainly not people who are already marginalized. Um, So I have nothing else to add there. I don't know. It's just awful. Um, but the good news, sar- hash, ha- you know, sarcasm is that uh, we can go to the movies now and bowling alleys and, and the bars and bars. So even though know, we've been doing carry out the entire time, mm-hmm. like I get it. People want to go visit people, but also like at what point does your life become like something that you're willing to lose just to go to a bar? I hope not ever, but, uh, but I think that's, that's the case. I mean, and, and, and they're getting this bad information from the president, somewhat the governor and definitely right-wing media that like, this is, you know, it's the hoax echo chamber that they're like, well, I, I can go out. Like what, like why, why, why wouldn't I? So, and everything's open. And so, yeah. Um, all of these things are opening back up, um, are open or are opening back up soon. That's why there are 
folks from the experts from the University of Iowa saying that there's going to be more outbreaks um, across the state. Yeah, Iowa hasn't decreased its case numbers enough to get to the level that the WHO recommends for reopening. And I think we're one of like 29 states that haven't done this. So this does not bode well for like the WHO is is like the a very well-known, well-respected organization. Yeah. And the fact that all of these states are not listening is not does not bode well, does not inspire confidence. No, I mean, is not just, is not cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've just decided that like or the governor, not we. The governor's decided that and even said that and said this this week that we can't prioritize people's lives over reopening the economy and I mean, we can. She's choosing does, not to. Does she realize that like lives. there is no economy without people to run it? Um well Like we haven't gotten to the point that Andrew Yang talked about where everything is robots. So yeah. you have to you have to keep people people need their lives to go and I mean like we shouldn't all just live to work, but like you need people to run things so that the economy can work. And if we're all sick, that's not going to happen. And your economy is going to tank. Also, the, right. I've said this before. The economy is an abstract concept that exists in ones and zeros in ledgers. Yeah. Real people are getting sick. Real people are dying. Real people are not being able to go to work. And and so many of us or are, are being forced to go to work or being because, when to they're to work. sick. Yep. Um, but and so many of us are just not going to like, you can reopen these, these places, but so many people are not going to go. And so until you convince them that it's safe and, or, and, and to convince them it actually has to be safe. And so that has to be the priority. That has to be the only priority because once that happens, things will slowly get back to normal, um, or hopefully a better, a better version of normal. But, um, but it, it, we have to have, we have to have a safe, we have to have safe places to go out to eat or go to wherever to obviously to work and to school and to, um, but, but all these other places, like you can't just reopen and say, come on back, even though the disease is out there, but that's exactly what she's saying. Yeah. She and the IDPH also announced this week that they're not going to talk about outbreaks that are like they won't announce further outbreaks if unless they're asked by reporters specifically, which um, is not how epidemiology or things should work. And for all that she talks That's about like transparency, basic human decency. <laughs> yeah. For all her talk about transparency, this is pretty dang opaque. And I mean, our, our media and reporters here are, are amazing and do a great job, but it should not be their job to sort of like needle the governor into telling us what she should be telling us. Yeah. I mean, we don't, if, if you don't know where to ask that these things are happening, how the hell do you know where to, how do you know what to ask about? Uh, it like also they should then just like, be telling us. It also then like begs the question, if they stop doing these daily press conferences because they just decide like, oh, we're done now, how are we supposed to find out about these? Clearly they're not, chill with FOIA, Freedom of Information Act requests, and nope. getting these these things out there. So it seems like they're mostly just wanting to keep us in the dark and just tell us everything's fine. In other news this week, it has been a 
banner week for racism. But so basically this man, Christian Cooper, was bird watching in Central Park. And there was a white woman who had unleashed her dog in a public park, which you're not supposed to do. And he asked her to leash her dog because it was scaring the birds and also because you should always have your dog on a leash when you go into a public place. Um, yep. I just shrugged. This is a podcast. You can't see that. <laughs> I can. But, yeah. um, and so she called the police saying that he was threatening her. Knowing full well what that would mean, if like if if the police did come and saw a white woman calling the cops on a black man, yeah, and it's so insidious and scary, and I can't imagine what it must be like to be Christian Cooper, but I am, I am very close to being that. I mean, I I, I try all the time not to be that white woman, but like. It it could happen, and it's it's scary, and I try very hard not to ever do that. But it's yeah, I don't want to say her name because she doesn't she doesn't need that publicity, and it's it's not about her. It's it's frustrating to see that kind of behavior. Yeah, and I mean it's basically weaponizing her like racism, and just it's like a it's it's I've I've seen some commentary that it's basically a death threat or, th- or, an ass- or an attempted assault or something like that to, to do that, to lie, you know, to lie like that and to inject race into that call. Like, and, um, and it's, it's, it, and I think that that's ex- exactly right. It's, um, so no, I cannot imagine what that is like either, but it is disgusting and, um, and just, just awful. So there was a really good quote from the Washington Post columnist today. It was not Alexander Petrie, who we love, Mm -hmm. Um, but this woman talked about playing the damsel in distress is a guise that for centuries has been used as an excuse to enact racist violence on black people in the name of white women's safety, which really harkens back to Emmett Till's story, um, which we have talked about on social media before where a white woman lied and a little boy was brutally beaten and killed because of it. And it's terrifying that these people know that if they just call something bad will happen to that person of color that they're basically threatening. Um, If you follow along with Progress Iowa, we will continue to share resources for people to take action and hopefully do just do, do something meaningful um, uh, on a day-to-day basis to help combat this, even if it's looking at your own implicit bias or um, making a donation, make, you know, doing whatever you can. So, I think you can draw a pretty straight line from what happened with Christian Cooper to what happened with George Floyd. Yeah. And it was, it, I mean, I don't, I, I'll just keep using the word scary, but it's scary to see how something as small as this woman calling the cops on a guy who was bird watching to police brutality, police murdering this man, George Floyd, which like we should always say their names because mm-hmm. they they're people. And I was reading an article on CNN um, about how he grew up in Texas and moved to Minnesota for work 
And there was an anecdote about how he helped clean up after the bar where he worked closed. And he was beloved by the bar's employees and customers. And we also shouldn't have to, quote unquote, humanize him or make him out to be right. like, but like some angel doesn't matter. or something. It you doesn't just matter. Be a because dude that went to work and went home every day or whatever, or doesn't, or even de- if he didn't have a job, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, you don't he, deserve to be murdered. No. But so that's, yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure if you listen to this podcast, you've already seen or heard about what happened with George Floyd, but basically he was strangled by a police officer who knelt on his neck for a long time and you can hear him saying i wouldn't suggest watching it because it is very upsetting um if you feel like you can handle it more power to you um but yeah he can be heard saying i can't breathe which is really close to what eric garner said a couple of years ago when he died via police killing but so in in the wake of that protests have popped up in minnesota and police are wearing riot gear and using tear gas and rubber bullets and flash grenades against unarmed protesters and it really stands in stark contrast to the behavior of law enforcement just a couple weeks ago when state capitals across the country were flooded with protesters who were shouting in people's faces and because they wanted to get haircuts and they were they were being oppressed by being asked to stay home so that they don't get sick. I don't know. I wrote in the outline. I wonder why they were so chill with that. And yeah, um, I, we know why. Spoiler yeah, alert. We, it's white yeah, we supremacy. Know, we know exactly why. Um, and I keep thinking like these are and I, I've thought this in many situations. Um unfortunately that happen over and over again. These are conversations that there are conversations that I will never have to have with our son, but then because we are white, but then there are also conversations that we should and will have with him. And so, um, these are, um, these are things that we need to talk about with each other. Um, because this is a problem that, that, that white people created and need to solve. So this is, this is on us. If you are a parent raising white children, there is a great book by, by Jen, Jennifer Harvey is called raising white kids, bringing up children in a racially unjust America. And I had of, I have several friends who had, uh, Jen Harvey in class and have said nothing but good things about that book. That's all right. There's also a podcast called Parenting is Political that I'm just now getting into as a result of all these things happening this week. So like Matt said, we are going to post things that people, especially white people, can do in the intervening times to support and stand in solidarity with our black and brown neighbors and friends, um, including... Uh, tomorrow. No, just kidding. It's tonight. So that's yesterday. If you're listening to this podcast on Friday, we're going to post a I'm white. Now what guide on our Facebook and Twitter, which includes a reading list and, uh, that we did not create. We're just using, uh, but 
I've read several of the books on it, and it's very good. And if you are new to anti-racism work, I would highly recommend picking up any of those books or get them from your local library and support public services. It really is on all of us to look at our own biases, whether that's conscious or unconscious, and dismantle them and do what we can every day to support our black and brown neighbors and make sure that they have the tools and resources to live safe, healthy, and happy lives, just like the rest of us. Before before we wrap up this week's episode, I want to um, note a very bittersweet occasion. This is Lauren, uh, Lauren, your last episode of What a Week, because tomorrow we're recording this on Thursday. Tomorrow is your last day of Progress Iowa. Um, I want to just um, take a moment on on the podcast here to say thank you for everything that you've done for the organization. You've been with us for three years um, and have just provided just such a strong voice for for Progress Iowa and the progressive community across the state. Um, uh, the Iowa Democratic Party is lucky to have you. I'm glad that you're continuing this work and, you know, advocacy and in in, uh, in in some format and I'm uh, but but it has just been a wonderful pleasure to work with you um, I hope that we would get to do that again at some point in time and I just wish you all the best in the world so want to make sure and say that um, on this last uh, your last episode of what a week and just a big big thank you to you so that's, you didn't that's want it. them to like get confused next week when someone else right. is take is talking yeah <laughs> yep yep um, but anyway, so thank you very much. I really appreciate all of the things that you said, Matt, and it has been incredible working with you and you're a great boss and whoever takes my place will be very lucky to, to work with you and also probably be on the podcast because you're going to need a co-host. That's and true. Maybe it'll be Greg for a little while because Greg does a pretty good job. He does. But he does. Yeah. What a Week is produced by Progress Iowa as part of the Potluck Media Network and would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you. We are mixed and edited by Greg Howenstein. For more information, visit potluck.fm or find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe. See you next week on What a Week. <laughs>